0: Here we go. Come out to the coast, we we'll get together, have a few laughs. Fuck you, I'm jumping! Do you really wanna jump? Do you wanna? Well then, that's fine with me. Come on, let's do this.
1: The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> Shit. They killed the cops! Oh,
0: shit! Get out man! Oh, man, this is a cop car! This is a... Hello. You boys like Mexico! Yeah!
1: Welcome back to another episode of Two Cops and a Donut. I'm your host, Dirk Mason, and with me always is Teddy Maxwell. On this week's episode, we have an email from one of our listeners that we will discuss in personnel files, along with another request for the 1988 film Naked Gun. Files from the police squad. Starring Leslie Knows. That's going to take us back a few years. Stick with me for episode number eight on Two Cops and a Donut. Mmm, donuts. <laughs> Just kidding. And now, the Donut of the Week. Mmm, donuts. On this week's Donut of the Week, we have Amy's Donuts located at 2704 East Fountain Boulevard in
2: Colorado Springs, 80910. Mmm, donuts is correct. Ted Maxwell here, bringing the donut of the week. I happened to be down in Colorado Springs last night and I received a message from Dirk Mason asking me to go. Well, I initially wanted to go to a place called Hertz Donuts, but Dirk said, no, 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 go to Amy's Donuts, even (laughs) though it was 16 miles south of me.
1: They did have 486 reviews and a four four and a half stars. So I was like, they have to be good.
2: I have heard of Amy's before. Actually, there was an Amy's Donuts that opened up right across from my uh, apartment in my old college town. Mm -hmm. So I'd heard of it and it's very, looks very 1970s donut shoppy.
1: Yeah, describe that. Like <clears throat> you posted pictures.
2: Yes, last I took actually this time I took pictures of the outside of the building. I took pictures of the inside of like the donut display cases. Yeah, and they have I don't know how many over hundred varieties of donuts, and they're really cool. They're really uh, like creative. They're different. I've never seen anything quite like it. Very seventies looking. A lot of pinks, a lot of yellows. It kind of looks. Like you would imagine, almost like from the Simpsons or something. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So what is your take on these uh, Amy's here?
2: Well, first off, I like to steer clear of Colorado Springs as much as I can. We live north of Colorado Springs. Just a heads up to all you listeners out there. Colorado Springs is south of Denver. It's about, what do you say, 70 miles south, 60 miles south of Denver? Yeah. Yeah, probably. So I like to avoid Colorado Springs at all costs. I once heard a man got shot in Colorado Springs and i don't like going there as a result of that <laughs> people don't get shot in denver no that's <laughs> to my knowledge okay i go in there it's pretty expensive they're not moderately priced donuts i believe they're almost some of them are $1.99 a piece good lord i didn't yeah. know that so i think for the dozen and uh, maybe a few fritters that didn't make their way up here that's what i had was I- about 20 20- <laughs> the box was a little light no <laughs> <laughs> It was about, a, I don't know, $25, I think, for three fritters and a Holy dozen donuts. Shit. Yeah.
1: Man, we're going to have to start hitting up, like, Groupon or something for these.
2: I know. know. My my donut budget is, uh, is a little, little off the wall these days. It's a lot of cabbage. It's a whole lot of cheddar. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you think of Amy's,
1: Dirk? You know, I uh, before we started, I made my list, so I'm prepared this time. He's finally prepared this time. I'm very, very (laughs) proud of her. So I'm not going to go through the list like we had on week one, week two, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to say my order. I have Tasty's as number one, Laura's for number two, Krispy Kreme's number three, the Fractured Prune for number four, and Amy's is going to fit snug right there, number five, following uh, Lamar's, Duncan's, and then I just put OMG way at the bottom as like number 20 because that
2: sucked. So... (laughs) Well, at least we agree on what we don't like, because those would be my bottom two as well. But I do have a difference of opinion in terms of the other ones. So my number one's going to be Fractured Prune. There you go. Throw that there bacon on top of a donut and you got me. Number two's going to be Krispy Kreme. Number three's going to be Amy's. Good job, Amy's. Number four's going to be Lamar's. Number five's going to be Tasty's. Number six is going to be Laura's. Number seven's going to be Duncan's. And number eight's going to be OMG Donuts because, like, as you said, it sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. No effort put into those donuts.
1: Yeah, it was probably the worst donuts I've had, actually. Like I told you, like, you could go to Seven Eleven and grab a donut, and they taste better than those, so.
2: So I'm going to read you a, a quick little text message I've received from my friend Levi. Okay. Now, Levi listens to our podcast pretty regularly he's one of our regular listeners he's my uh best friend in the army and he was my college roommate at the university of arizona Go wildcats so he told me that dunkin donuts was changing their name what yes so he sent me a, a quick little link here and let me pull it up I sent a link um here it is saying look what you've done are you happy with yourselves <laughs> and it basically said dunkin donuts is officially dropping the donuts part Huh. So my question was, are they just changing their name and just going strictly to Duncan's, or are they actually getting rid of the donuts at the store because they suck so bad?
1: Well, when I think of Dunkin Donuts in the name, you dunk donuts into coffee, even that's where it came from. So you have to have donuts and coffee for that name.
2: Right. I mean I don't know. So um he confirmed to me he did some research on that, and he confirmed to me that they are not getting rid of the donuts, they're just changing the name. I think and I think it's something we are
1: what do they think that's going to help business or something?
2: Well, I don't know. I think that they know that their strength is their coffee.
1: Some they must have someone must be buying them out or something.
2: Well, I got an extra large uh, with cream and no sugar the other day, and it was like two nineteen. Hmm. What is what would that cost? And that's it's bigger than the venti at Starbucks, and it tastes better. What, what, what does that cost? Like at Starbucks, five bucks? No, it's like eight or nine now. No, for just a large plain coffee or eh. a venti or twenty ounce?
1: Uh, Maybe you're right. It's probably three or four bucks then. So
2: I received this yesterday from Levi at 2.50 p.m. Looks like Duncan is only dropping the name donuts. I thought they were dropping the actual food after some scathing reviews on what some are referring to as the rotten tomatoes of donut quality. (laughs) I believe he's talking about our scathing reviews on two cops and a donut. Yeah. (laughs) So good job, Duncan! I actually think it's going to be good for business for you because your donuts blow. Yeah. Your coffee's amazing, though. I got to give you a heads up on that. Your coffee's good, and their muffins are good too.
1: Yeah, it's just there's not. I mean, where we work, if there was more like in our city that we work in, I would probably stop in and grab a cup of Joe. But we have two. I know, but where they're way north and way south. They're it's not just, close to us. Yeah,
2: but they. It's different, and I hate to say it. I hate to be one of those guys like. When you get New York-style pizza here, people are like, it's different because it's not from New York. You're not using the East <laughs> East River water. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the dough's different. It's <laughs> That's what people say. You know what I mean? And people say that out right here, oh, the Colorado water's different, so it tastes different or uh, something. You know what I mean? It's it, the it, elevation. It tastes better on the East Coast. I don't know why that is. It has a more mellow, non-burnt taste, but it's strong. Yeah. It does the trick. I, I can't describe it. can't articulate myself. So, but that's it. And okay, so let's, let's go over Amy's real quick. Okay. So what did you have? What's your donut of the week, there? I did. I chose the fluffernutter. The fluffernutter? Yeah. Explain. I Explain. So you were talking about the nutter, I believe in like the first or second episode. Yeah. We got a donut that had fluffernutter on the inside of the donut, almost like a jelly donut filled with nutter. Right. And for those listeners who haven't listened to our early <laughs> podcasts, could you explain to them what nutter is?
1: Oh, I'm going to just look this up real quick and on their website and I want them to describe it to me because uh actually they don't even have any description it just says fluffernutter (laughs) I think it is like a chocolate Nutella with some marshmallow on top Mm -hmm. and it's a chocolate or it's a glazed dipped donut okay so I mean maybe they make them better like early in the morning Or when they're like super fresh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the Nutella on top, I don't know. Nutella, to me, I just would rather have chocolate, straight chocolate.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Drop some
1: peanuts on there. What?
2: Stop. No, because you had, that was your, that happened to be your first donut. That doesn't mean it's your donut of the week.
1: Oh, no, it's my donut of the week. No,
2: you had the other one, which you really (laughs) enjoyed and you were giving me really good reviews on. So which one was that? (laughs) The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yes.
1: That one was delicious, but I'm talking about the Fluffernutter.
2: (laughs) Well, you don't choose the worst donut and be like, that's my donut of the week. That just happened to be the first (laughs) one your little greasy mitts picked up.
1: (laughs) Well, I chose that one as my donut of the week. And I was just thinking, you know, how could they make this amazing? And I'm like, substitute the Nutella for chocolate, add some nuts, and keep the marshmallow on top. Fluffernutter, bam. He's
2: intentionally doing this to give Amy's a low... I already, put,
1: I already put them up there. You you guys heard my uh, heard my list where yeah, Amy's was.
2: She kind of fell in the middle. So the Fluff and Utter is going to be yours. Yeah. All right. Well.
1: Because you're probably going to do the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup.
2: No, I'm not. I, I'm not a huge chocolate peanut butter fan. I like it, but it's not something that just does it for me. Like, I never crave Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I had it, and it was really good. But my donor of the week is going to be the bananas Foster, and you know why? I've been addicted to Bones bananas Foster coffee, Mm. and I'm like, I got to figure out a good pairing for it. And Amy's ranks really high for me. Now, Dirk told me don't get any cake donuts last night. And fortunately <laughs> for him, there's like three varieties of cake donuts at Amy's. Everything is a yeast risen donut covered in shit. <laughs> like yeah. frosting with cereal and banana pie and And you
1: described it as like almost like a wannabe voodoo, maybe, or like a comparison to voodoo. It's
2: from my understanding, I've had voodoo before and it's it's similar to voodoo, in my opinion. It's all about the creativity. Right. The donuts are actually really good. I don't like yeast donuts. I know. Yeah. I like cake donuts, and these were good. <laughs> That's why fractured prune is up there yeah. on your list. I mean, Amy's is the the yeast donut. I find yeast donuts to be big, but there's not a lot of flavor. These were super moist, super buttery, and I liked it. I thought it was like awesome. I'm really really up on that.
1: Yeah, and don't get me wrong, the Amy's donuts aren't bad. I just I picked that donut of the week, and like you said before, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, and I love peanut butter, so...
2: Yeah, he does. Homeboy's <laughs> eating peanut butter all the time. Love me. Just grab me a jar of peanut butter and eat it. <laughs> so, let me ask you. Uh-huh. What are you pairing that delicious donut with today? I have some coconut
1: rum Bones coffee.
2: Oh, coconut rum? Yep. Oh, okay. I thought you were drinking Shark Bite. No, nah, I gave that one to you. Okay. So today, as I'm driving up to Dirk's place, I say, hey, put on a... Put on a cup of jo- uh, pot of Joe, some <laughs> coffee, and he goes, which one? So I wanted to try the shark bite. Shark bite was pretty good. Buttery rum is what it the flavor the is. The flavor is buttery rum. Yeah. It's pretty good. I liked it. But then I switched over to the white Russian. And hot damn, I feel like the dude.
1: Dude, that is my favorite of it's all of good. them that they have. It the tastes like a white
2: Russian. I mean I haven't tried them
1: all yet. And their new flavor coming out that mm-hmm. they just posted, uh the Frankenbones. Uh I'm gonna try to get a bag for the uh, two hour special.
2: That would be sweet. That'd be perfect for a two-hour Halloween special, and the artistry and the, like the artwork they did for so basically the Frankenbones is what kind of coffee is it? You told me earlier. I think it's a chocolate hazelnut. Chocolate hazelnut, and they have a picture, a really cool skeleton picture of Frankenstein, Frankenstein yeah. on it. Whoever's doing the artwork over at Bones should be like a tattoo artist or something, because I think they'd have something going there. It's their artwork's just so cool, man.
1: I know it's very creative. I think it's awesome.
2: Speaking of Bones, received a phone call this week with a message in regards to Bones that I'd really like to play on the show. Oh, yeah. Let's
1: uh, throw that up right now.
2: Okay. Hi, guys. This is Rory from Los Angeles, California. Love the show. I decided to order some of that Bones coffee that you guys have been talking about on your podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, So far, I've tried the blueberry flavored coffee. I like it a lot. It has like a dark and rich flavor with a mellow Light flavor of blueberry. I think it would taste really good with uh, blueberry muffin, but I haven't had a try with that. And I also actually like the packaging. It's pretty cool. It has a picture of Jake and Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers as skeleton. So uh, the guys who make this coffee have a good sense of humor. Um, so that's my review. And keep on
1: making your podcast. I love listening to them. Thank you very much. Oh,
2: that's awesome. That is really cool. Thank you, Rory from Los Angeles. We really appreciate the review. And I know the folks at bones coffee company appreciates it too kind of a newer company but they are really taking off man and it's i mean they should be they are that good
1: yeah he has a good i mean we're not the only ones obviously that are thinking
2: like hey these guys are creative with the blues brothers like logo i i think that's awesome dude i am a whore for cool (laughs) packaging like i will like the electric unicorn one sold me i was like that is so cool where are they gonna get this coffee any of our listeners who want to purchase some bones coffee
1: www.bonescoffee.com.
2: You can order basically fulfill all your coffee needs and your merchandise needs at that website. They have really really fast shipping and they have great customer service, so I'd highly suggest checking them out
1: and get a bag of the Frankenbones before it the season ends because they said it's going to be a limited dish.
2: Yeah, <laughs> limited a dish for sure. So, Dirk, what do we have next?
1: We're going to dive into personnel files, and you have what are you going to discuss?
2: So, this week on personnel files, we're going to be continuing on with the special forces qualification course, and we're going to start with language school. I don't have too much to say about language school, but I had some interesting stories that I'd like to share with our viewers.
1: Okay, and then I have an email that I'm going to read that we got this week. and oh, we got an email? Yep, and uh, he asked uh, quite a bit about questions in there, so we'll get to that. Perfect. Stand by. So, Teddy, uh, you got language school and your special forces training hit hit me with it
2: so prior to joining the army uh you know i always wanted to be in some form of special operations whether it be navy seals air force pjs combat controllers you know army rangers something like that the thing that drew me towards army special forces was uh they have a language requirement what was the i mean you could choose anything so the way it works is prior to actually joining when you're like doing all your in-processing stuff to the initial army you take a test called the d-lab The Defense Language Aptitude Battery. And the way the D-Lab works is, it's actually very difficult to to maybe articulate, but what they do is is they put like headphones on you, you listen to various sounds, you take all these tests that test your memory, and somehow, at the culmination (laughs) of that entire test, it determines your aptitude for learning languages. And then they say, well, you're not even proficient in English, so you're just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, no, I know, right? No, the way it works is that the really, the, like, you you can't fail it. So the dumbasses usually get French and Spanish because those are the easiest ones to learn, okay. I suppose. Um, there's a whole laundry list of languages. You have Mandarin Chinese, you have Korean, you have Russian, you have Thai, you have Tagalog, you have Dari, you have Farsi, you have Arabic, German. No German. They used to have it, but they got rid of it. Oh man. I guess they figured that the Third Reich has been defeated, and there's <laughs> no need for the German language. Which is um, odd. They used to have Czech, which I'm of Czech descent. My mom is from the Czech Republic, or was Czechoslovakia when she lived there. Um, so I always really wanted to learn Czech, you know, so I could communicate with my mom. Uh, she's also proficient in Russian, so that was the one that I chose. Okay. I scored fucking terrible on the D-Lab, by the way. Describe the DLab. lab I guess you said. Yeah, so it goes in like eight steps. So the way it works is you put the headphones on, and it'll be like step one. And they'll give you all these patterns, sound patterns to memorize (laughs) and all these memorization things, right? Mm -hmm. And then you'll go to step two, step three, step four. And in step five, it'll ask you, oh, in step one, what was line number three? Okay. So like memorization type stuff. And I was... Terrible. I scored really low on it. And even the D Lab administrator goes, I've never seen someone taking this test score that low. Oh shit. Yeah, so I was really concerned (laughs) that I'd get stuck with Spanish or French. Um following selection, I put Russian as my first my first language choice and they gave it to me. Nice. So I got Russian. So Ooh. I
1: just remember the one word you told me for Apple and it's Yablaka.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Stupid. Yeah. He'll always ask me, we'll be like riding together and be like, Hey, what's the word for Apple? and I'll say Yablika? (laughs) And it just sounds ridiculous. So following CLT, language school basically goes, if you take French or Spanish or an easier language, it's a four-month course. Mm -hmm. And the way it works is, or at the time, it was Monday through Friday, six hours a day. Jeez. And it's not like your high school language class. Right. Right? It's not like you can go in there and there's 40 people in there and you can hide and you don't have to participate. There's like six to eight of you in there and one teacher. Like, you're forced. I mean, you're forced into it. There's no shirking responsibility of just like... And they need you to be proficient with it. You need to be proficient in it. I didn't know the anything in Russian. And I was real—I was poor. I was a poor student in high school. So I was really concerned going into it. So Russian's a complicated language. It's extremely difficult. So that's a six-month language. So for six straight months, Monday through Friday, six hours a day, you would Ru- speak Russian. Speak Russian. And it used to be the chill part of the course because that's all they made you do. Right. You'd go out at 7, 8 a.m., go get in a formation. They'd count everyone. You go into the classrooms with your teacher, and then at the end of the day, at the end of your class, you were done. And then you have weekends off. There's no training, nothing.
1: Did this person work? Was this person that taught you in the military, and or were they Russian?
2: I'm gonna get to that in a second. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in a the second. gun here. No, no, no. So what happened was, guys were doing that. And what do you think is gonna happen when you give guys almost unlimited free time? Tons of horrible stuff. A lot of bad <laughs> stuff. No one was working out. And this was in our class. Our class kind of got the bad end of it. This, these are the classes that preceded us, came before us. What they would do is, is um, these guys would just do the six-hour classes. None of them were working out. The guys that were were not running. They were just like taking all sorts of like supplements. Mm. I used air quotes with that one. So <laughs> I, I don't know if you know where I'm getting at. that. And then they got like super jacked and huge and never ran. So I heard a story that following language class, they did a PT test. And like half the class didn't, couldn't finish a two-mile run. Oh, God. Not scored poorly. Like they were walking at the end because they were so heavy from being weighed down with muscle. Right. They screwed us. So, after every class, we'd have to go out and do, like, land navigation. In the evening, we'd have to do PT. It kind of sucked. And that was for six months. Six months. So, the way the class worked was we we were in a class. Our teacher, her name was Victoria, straight from Russia. Her husband was an instructor in special forces qualification course. Okay. He worked out at Sears school and he was actually in Somalia during Black Hawk down. He's a private in Ranger regiment Okay, during the 1993 incident, October 93 of Black Hawk down. Everyone's seen the movies, right? Josh Hartnett, et cetera. So he was a Ranger, like young kid out in Somalia, just trying to survive. And he met Victoria. He was fluent in Russian and Chinese. And he met Victoria and Victoria was just this, I think she was like 40. She looked 25 straight from Russia just tan. Everyone called her, I don't mean to be derogatory or sexist, but everyone called her the sexy vampire because okay. she had these very sharp canines and these <laughs> ice blue eyes and she was just so sweet and so nice. She honestly kind of became like our our moms oh. for a little while. She was very like, she was just really cool. Like she, we became very, very close with her and she would get pissed. Like if you were, you know, going through something and you were speaking in Russian and like you should know it because she taught you it and you didn't. She was like foot down. Like, why don't you understand? Why don't you get it? Like I taught you this, you're being lazy. And so that was, I mean, it was like six days a week. We would, uh, excuse me, five days a week, six hours a day. I mean, that's 30 hours a week for six months. By the end I was, I could talk about politics. I could talk about where I came from, where my family was from. I could talk about military tactics. I was extremely good. Now I've lost a lot of it because I haven't used it. And when I was in, I did deploy to some Russian speaking countries. So I got to use it there, but now it's, you know, I kind of lost a lot of it.
1: Do you think that, like, nowadays, with uh, even in like schools and stuff, if they pushed the second
2: language, that a lot more people could be speaking other languages? I mean, well, when I was in the University of Arizona, I took, I I skipped all the beginner Russian stuff and I went into advanced Russian. And a lot of the students that were there took it in high school. So where I came from, we only had French and Spanish. Yeah, same here. These kids were taking German, Russian, Chinese arabic in high school right so the curriculums have changed and they were like pretty good
1: i just yeah i took french i think and spanish i I didn't want to learn spanish at first because i was like oh french would be cool because it's different but they're kind of the same so the way that the language is spoken and a lot of the stuff have the same i guess meaning i don't know if you know but i don't know i think they need to push that more in high school so people will learn second languages i i think it's cool too
2: yeah i i loved it and that was again that was one of the main reasons i went army special forces instead of like to the navy seals or something like that also i'm a shit swimmer i mean i can swim (laughs) like a mile or whatever but not five you know like a damn brick yeah (laughs) so one of the things i wanted to bring up because we're not talking too much army stuff this is more of an educational thing but while we were doing some of like the the land nav and stuff like that i discovered something called where is it here (laughs) called Robert Rogers, 28 Rules of Ranging. And oh, for gosh. whatever, man, I thought this was the funniest shit <laughs> ever. Because it talks about military tactics in, like, the 17 and 1800s. These are the standing orders, which were... These are the standing orders. This is basically how the armies, the, the initial rangers, used to, like... Th- this is what they i don't even know how to say it dude. How, how they operated yeah how they operated by these like set of rules right okay. and it used to fucking kill me and it always reminded me of the uh will ferrell sketch in snl where he's the uh the old Tammy you did get your name gus chickens gus i'm sorry the
0: last the last name again the last name
1: is chickens c-h-i-g-g-i-n-s
2: Number two, this is one of my favorites, is have your musket clean as a whistle, hatchet scoured, 60 rounds powder and ball, and be ready to march at a minute's notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, where's another one? Okay, these are a couple of my favorites. Here we go. I
1: like how you're, you're pointing as you're <laughs> I'm pointing at you. <laughs> Do the one where you...
2: <laughs> Number 15, don't sleep beyond dawn. Dawn's when the French and Indians attack. I'm pretty sure the French and the uh, Native Americans are not an issue these days. Oh, okay, this is one of my favorites. If somebody's trailing you, make a circle. Come back around your own tracks and ambush the folks that aim to ambush you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeez. Do the do the one where he
2: reaches out. You reach out and. Uh... Oh God! Oh yeah! <laughs> let the enemy come close till he's almost enough to touch you. Then let him have. <laughs> Hang on. Let the enemy come till he's almost close enough to touch. Then let him have it and jump out and finish him with your hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So I learned a couple of these standing orders because it, to me it was just funny because that's like what they were dealing with. You know what I mean? Right. Like the and that was the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> but the ideas are the same. Right. Like what he's talking about is like, yeah, don't sleep. You don't sleep past dawn because typically if you're gonna get ambushed and this is real world today, you're gonna get ambushed at dawn.
1: Yeah, right in the morning.
2: Right. You know, middle of the night or in the morning, <laughs> something like that. So a lot of them make really good sense, and you know tactically they're sound it's just funny to hear like you got your musket and your ball and powder <laughs> you know so yeah especially when you
1: put it in that prospector voice yeah that. the old timey
2: <laughs> the old timey prospector voice i'd be more
0: worried about coyotes if i were you <laughs> Gus. for the last time oh
1: cinnamon and gravy
2: <laughs> i just imagine the guy like A bunch of soldiers taking a knee around him and him pointing at him saying, you better stand tall before dawn because the French and Indians will attack you. (laughs) You know, they're all like, yeah. (laughs) That's all I got for this week, man. Um, Language school was great. I learned quite a bit. I learned, as you can see, the standing orders of Rogers Rangers. So during that time. Next week, we are going to be diving into, this is probably going to be the most substantial part. We're going to be diving into SUT, which is Small Unit Tactics. Okay. Which is really, really cool, and I think that I've that's where we learned all our tactical stuff, and I can go through a lot of that. Dirk, it's on you. What do you have next?
1: So I have an email. It comes from Blake Jackmer in Canton, Michigan. He goes, Hey, Dirk and Teddy. Big fan of the show and donuts here. Thank you, guys. As a civilian, I'm curious on what you guys go through on a daily basis. I think it would be pretty neat to hear what goes on during routine calls as well as more extreme situations. Other questions I have, what kind of paperwork is involved? How have your perceptions of people changed due to your job? Which, that's a good question. Uh, who cleans the cars? How often do you have to train fitness and uh, range range certifications? How do you guys uh, get promoted? Is there a ticket quota? Which, I've had that question a lot, etc. Hey,
2: everyone, that's like the first thing anyone asks me. Okay. And is thanks, Blake Jackmer. Well, Blake Jackmer from Canton, Michigan, thank you. Thank you, Blake. That's those are actually really good questions. I think people definitely want to hear that. Yeah, so let's, what's the first one?
1: Let's start off with the first one on what we go through on a daily basis. And what I think he means is is like we start off I mean, I leave my house probably 30, 40 minutes earlier. We work midnights right now, so traffic isn't an issue, but get to work probably about thirty to forty minutes early to change. And the reason why we get there so early is because putting on all that crap sucks. I mean, 30, 40 extra pounds of gear.
2: And to give you an idea, the first time I put it on, like my first shift I ever went on and it took me an hour to get ready because I didn't know what yeah, was comfortable. I didn't know how it worked. It was so foreign to me. So putting this stuff on, I me, mean, it takes me five minutes now, but at the time I was like wires, you know, for my radio around my neck, my earpiece and get my belt on. It's crazy. So that makes well, sense.
1: And for me, I still I take the same amount of time because I'm so particular on how everything fits on my belt, my vest, everything. It has to fit. If it doesn't fit perfect for me, for me I have a horrible shift. And you know how fucking hot it is in the, the locker room. If you start sweating underneath your vest before you get started, it sucks.
2: Yeah, I used to work out prior to getting dressed, and I would just be drenched. There's no cooling down. Yeah. Putting that shit on is like a goddamn... It's hard. Keeps your... It's like
1: having an easy-bake oven on your chest, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, putting on all your gear, and then we go to... You can call it roll call or briefing. briefing. Yeah, in... Normally we start briefing at the start of our shift, mm-hmm. which our shift starts at 10 p.m. and that's when we start briefing. That's our start
2: of work. So right, and that's where you find out what area you're working. So you have a geographical area you're going to be work working. That's where you get your car keys. That's where you get the schedule for court. So if you have to write a traffic ticket or you have to arrest someone, they have. If you arrested them on this date, this is their de-
1: right. So there's specific dates that are right. set up for for court hearings, tickets, arrests, all that stuff. Um, the sergeants usually take over briefing, they announce any new calls or stuff that came out that happened in the, if you're returning for your week, they try to brief you on what happened prior to, or if you're returning the next day, it's, hey, you did a good job at this, we need to work better on this, what you did last night, then you hit, you hit, the, you hit the road. You load up your car with all your gear.
2: We have a lot of gear. Oh, tons Helmets, of gear. Helmets. We have plate carriers. We have rifles. We batons. have batons. Batons. We have ticket books. We have...
1: Gas masks.
2: A million other <laughs> forms we have to take with us, depending on what kind of call we go on. I mean, we ha- it's like a goddamn filing cabinet with us. Yeah, you basically load up your, you know, mobile... <laughs> cubicle in your car. <laughs> I feel like I need like, honestly, like I'm a librarian with the amount of paperwork I have. I feel like I need to have like those little glasses with the chain around my neck. <laughs> Goddamn plain canasta.
1: And yeah, people don't understand. I mean, I have a, literally a backpack full of like two or three accordion style folders for all my paperwork that's required. Yeah. Then we hit the road. It depends on how many calls are pending, how the shift was prior to. Yep. We might have 15 calls pending or zero. Zero. So um, normally if there's zero calls pending, I try to hit a couple traffic stops, you know, right out of the gate. I don't
2: know how you are, but... Not me. I try not to (laughs) harass the citizens of my city. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) So yeah, and then we go through our shift depending on what calls...
1: We, we're done, and that's you know? kind of
2: the, the part I think it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Is you really never know what's going to happen because typically what happens at any other job is that you are the deciding factor of how your days gonna go. Right. We let kind of really not the greatest people in society decide how our shifts gonna go. Yeah. Any complaint we have to take seriously, whether they're a credible source or not, we have to investigate it appropriately. So it's it's frustrating, man. And we've talked about this before. Like ninety percent of the the people in society. we've We never see. And those are the 90% that don't understand a lot of the police work because they are the ones that are just like, well, we never see police because they don't have a need to call. The other 10% are the ones that call every day. (laughs) They're constantly in some form or state of, Panic like their life is just like a mess like they're constantly being in contact with police And that's just the way their life goes like
1: that's why I think the majority of those people hate us because we don't
2: bring good news You know never and I you know sometimes I I hate like I personally don't like arresting people Because I know what it will do to someone's life. Like, how nonchalant and cavalier these people are about being put in jail. If I was put in jail, I'd be like a babbling brook. I'd be like, oh my god, my life's over with. Right. These people are just like, whatever. Yeah. The other
1: day, I walked in the jail, and some lady was giving another girl tips on, ah, this is just jail, don't worry about it. And I'm assuming it was her first time being arrested. She was freaking out. And this one lady next to her was like, nah, I've been here before, don't worry about it. Yeah. So...
2: I don't know. So that's, that's basically how it goes. What, what, what other things does uh, Blake have for us?
1: Well, he talked about extreme situations. So I'm going to talk about just within, you know, we call them shift killers because they're, oh yeah you know, you get a sex assault or some type of like a call that we have to, it's a lot of time and paperwork put into because you have to call out detectives or, you know, a shooting, something like that. It's just, there's so much more you have to do for these calls. It's not.
2: Well, an example of that would be a sex assault.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to call out crimes against child detectives. If yeah. If
2: they're under a certain age, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's it, like, for example, like when you're on patrol, you're, the idea is to be as efficient as possible because, particularly in our city, we don't have enough cops to handle all the crime in our city. Right. So, you want to be efficient. You want to be able to clear calls, but do an appropriate investigation, you know, by state guidelines, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A sex assault is, I mean, it's an emotionally draining thing for this for the victim and for the officer, and you have to take your time like the good thing is is there are people you know these people that intentionally like they'll have a noise complaint call, which takes what thirty seconds right? Hey, could you please keep the noise down? Sure, okay, what's your name, date of birth? okay, we're done, and they'll stay on that call for an hour, right and people are like. Are you kidding me? Like, that takes two seconds. Be done with it. You don't get that with a sex assault. People know a sex assault could take three hours. It could take 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. Like, because you need to take your time with it. You need to do an appropriate investigation and follow up so you can make the uh, detectives who are going to get the case later make their lives easier.
1: Well, and most of it people should know is that it's not us. It's the stuff that we have to do, you know, bring people to the hospital, yep. get stuff done sure. that way. Detectives, all that stuff. Our paperwork probably, it only takes about maybe a couple hours, but the other stuff is what drags it out. So enough of that paperwork involved depends on if you get an arrest or if you just write a ticket. Tickets, what, take 10 minutes if for just a simple traffic ticket?
2: Yeah. To, the whole stop should take 10 to 15 minutes tops.
1: You know, if you dig something up, uh, like drugs or guns, you're going to be there for, for hours after yeah. that.
2: Depends on what you can find on a traffic stop. Or One thing I'd really like to tell people is, like, you know, we are getting paid by the hour, but there is this, like, inherent sense of urgency in you. If you take, like, a call, like you are saying, you pull someone over, you find drugs, you find a gun, there's an urgency about you to be efficient and take him to the jail, charge him appropriately, do the chain of custody for the evidence, get it put in correctly by state guidelines, do all that stuff. But it's like, you would think a cop would just, okay, I have to do this. I'm going to take my time methodically. You don't feel that way. You don't feel you have the time to do that. You feel like I got to get this done so I can get back out and help my friends.
1: Right. Cause you're uh, like you said, we're shorthanded. time. you know, if you get an arrest and you're in the jail for four or five hours, or another person's going to be in the jail, maybe on a simple warrant arrest, which should take only a half an hour to yeah. an, a 45 minutes, but people take two hours doing that. But yeah, it hurts other people out on the road because they're covering other people's areas and all that. How would you say your perception has changed
2: towards people since you started working? I have, a, for me, I've never called the I'm 33 years old. I've never called the police one time. And I think that there's, there's two types. There's the people that They really have a difficulty managing their lives. So they always need someone else telling them, this is what you need to do. Right. So dealing with those people gets frustrating. You know what I mean? You're like your neighbor's sprinklers are hitting your lawn. You can't ask them to stop that. You know what I mean? So that gets frustrating. Um, Seeing the same people over and over again is frustrating. And I'll be honest, like you, but you start developing biases and you start, how many times have you seen a call hit your screen and you already make your determination prior to even getting there?
1: Well, yeah, I could probably say that, well, why aren't these? I mean, I'm 30 now, but when I started, I was, what, 23? Mm -hmm. And these people that are calling me are 50, 45, 50 years old. Asking you for life advice. And I'm just like, you got 10 to 20 years on me. You should know what to do. Right. You've had the life experience. You've had all this. But that's the most frustrating part for me when I started Mm -hmm. is that i shouldn't be telling you how to live your life making these like you said sprinklers hitting your lawn go over knock on the door and say hey but just some people can't manage their life like that and nah. i don't know why
2: and by the way when i said that you make your determination you try not to do that because yeah 90 percent of the time i'm right before i get there i know exactly what's happening i know but there's that other 10 percent where i show up and i go whoa You know what I mean? Like that was nothing I thought it was going to be. So it's just, it's one of those things you have to fight it as a police officer. So that's my answer to that.
1: I guess my answer for perception on people is it's just that I am more cautious and careful because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always like, okay, what do these people actually want? Sure. You know what I'm trying to think? What is their underlining like thing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's not like everybody's out to get me or anything like that. It's just, I'm always, I guess I'm more prepared to be like, Hey, this person's, they don't, they're not legitimately they're asking for something else. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it, but who cleans the
2: cars? Uh, the cars? We have a cleaning... Fucking s- filth bags. <laughs> yeah. A goddamn Petri dish of bacteria and viruses, those cars. Gross.
1: You know, we have a cleaning service. I don't think they ever work.
2: <laughs> the only time they clean those cars is when something catastrophic happens in yeah, the back. Like, blood, urine,
1: vomit, something like that. Yeah.
2: Other but- than that, like people eat food in their cars, and I'm like... Ugh i feel like i'm gonna vomit like it's covered in dirt like your uniform will be covered in filth when you get out of that thing
1: yeah i don't even like washing my uniform at home that's how disgusting it is and it's just i mean you think about it at any given time there's at least You know, we have rotating cars. If one breaks down or something like that, you're at least having three people sit in this car prior to you getting into Mm -hmm. it, you know? So let's just say they're disgusting and leave it at that. Yeah. How often do we train for fitness and range certifications? Fitness, there is no standard for
2: police. Nope. Not after the initial test. So fitness, you're on your own. Horizontal magazine syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. We talked about that. Fatties. And uh, we'll bring that up in a second. I wanted to drop a shout out to Officer Smith and we'll do that. Remind me
1: uh range certifications were at were quarterly. Mm-hmm. So we used to be what four or five times a year and yeah. now we're quarterly.
2: Um we just did it the other day actually. Yeah. We had it Thursday. And it's Saturday now we had it Thursday. We did a ton of shooting. Our department compared to other departments excellent in terms of firearms and range time and stuff like that. Unlimited. If you want to go every day and shoot free ammo.
1: It's cuz we have our own range. We and have our own range. Yeah. Other police departments don't, so.
2: Yeah, so we do that pretty often.
1: Uh getting promoted. I don't know because I haven't got promoted
2: yet. But so we're <laughs> in the patrol level, which is an automatic pay promotion. Basically, like you get pay steps as you go along. If you want to, there's tests. So if you want to go from patrol to detective, you have to take a test. If you yeah. want to go from detective to, or patrol to sergeant, you have to take a test. And basically, how well you are academically and how well you have a verbal or a in-person interview will determine how. You rank on the list, because there's a lot of people taking the test.
1: Yeah, let's just say you have to know department policy, you have to know state law, you have to know city ordinances, city you know, city codes, stuff like that, and that's going to help help you greatly get promoted. And then the last question, which I'm going to let you take the reins here, sure. uh, ticket quota.
2: <laughs> no, there's no ticket quota. Uh, there's something they call professional standards, where they want you to... Basically, they want you to try. You know, like I see... They don't want you to be a lump on a log. Yeah, just sitting in your car. It. Yeah. They want you to try, even like if you see, how many traffic infractions do you see a shift? Even on graveyards where there's not a lot of cars, 10, 12?
1: Thousands, man. I see thousands.
2: Not you on could, every shift.
1: No, you could literally pull some, there's yeah. so, okay, I'm going to tell you guys, the the traffic code is so huge. It is. People and don't know exactly
2: how small. <laughs> you know my take on like the license plate light. Like, I mean, please, I will not do it. I, I know. Refuse. to will be like, oh, he had a license plate light out. No. Let's turn it do an about face, walk back to my car and I'm like, get me out of here. Listen, people, if you are
1: actually listening, okay, if you're turning making a right hand turn or a left hand turn from an intersection, you have to take the most available lane to you. So if you turn from the left, you have to take the first lane to the left. That is the most annoying thing for me as a cop. I know that's an infraction. And I don't know why. It just bothers me. People will turn left and then they'll go all the way over to the right lane. It's just like, I'm just going to leave it at that. Anyway.
2: I'm not a huge traffic guy. I actually hate it. I don't. I'm not either, but. It's the most dangerous thing you can do as a police officer. You don't know if that person you're pulling over just shot and killed someone. Yeah. It happens often. I mean, we had an officer in our department that literally just making a routine traffic stop and that guy was involved in a shooting 10 minutes before and it became an I mean, it was a shootout. Right. As a result, you you don't know. I don't care about that aspect. I don't care about that. I mean, the whole thing for me is I just I feel like our investigations we, we're very busy doing other things, and um, that's more of like a in where we are in Colorado. It's more of a state patrol function. Their right. main purpose is to do uh, traffic enforcement, to do DUIs, to do traffic accidents. Yep. That's their main thing. That's their bread and butter. Ours is we have everything from robbery, homicide, theft, assault, sexual assault. I mean, how many? I mean, we have so many different things we're doing that traffic just to me is not a huge thing.
1: It's not. I would say the biggest thing that the biggest thing that would help us out is that if you see a cop on the side of the road with his lights on, just move over. Move over as
2: best as you can.
1: Slow, even slow down in your lane, turn Mm -hmm. on your blinker, and get over. Because the biggest thing is what kills us is people hitting us.
2: Yeah. So, actually, I found out recently that um, I think this is the first time in years that gunfire is over traffic is over accidents? traffic it used to be like half of police officer deaths for traffic accidents or people hitting officers on the side of the road right it's not that anymore and i always feel bad when i write someone a ticket in that case if i see a car whiz by a police officer in the same lane i have zero qualms about writing a traffic ticket because that's like an officer safety thing and to me it's just it it's like a sign of arrogance like i don't care about this life on the side of the road he's just doing his job
1: well in the same with construction workers i mean yeah. they're out oh, there yeah.
2: They're holding those signs, and, like, I mean, that's dangerous, man. These yeah. guys aren't making a ton of money. So I, that really, I mean, you want it to piss me off, that will be one of the ways.
1: Yeah, same here. I'll write that every time. Yeah. So...
2: Um, That's a PSA from your friend Dirk and Teddy (laughs)
1: That about wraps it up here We're going to jump into Pop Culture Corner With the 1988 film
2: Naked Gun The Naked Gun Files from the police squad (laughs) And before we get to that we just want to drop a quick shout out to Officer Ashley Smith Who has a huge following on Instagram And Facebook You can look her up on Facebook um, Under the name Officer Ashley Smith Same on Instagram She has over 100,000 followers She does a great job about bringing some humor to this job and we brought her up during the fitness portion of uh, Blake Jackmer's part because she's one of those people that stays in impeccable shape while also being a patrol officer. And it's very, very difficult to maintain you know proper health standards with our job. And she does a great job. And I would highly suggest watching her videos because she is hilarious.
1: Yeah, definitely check her out. So uh, stand by for Leslie Nelson.
0: In this city, there's crime on every street. But one man has seen enough. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite team. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend...
2: Everyone should have a friend like you.
0: ...is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better... He's welcome back at Police Squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. Ah! His girlfriend Ah! asked him to look her up. Nice beaver.
1: Thank you. I just had it stuffed.
0: Let me help you with that. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister plan. I must kill the queen. (gasps) How can any police story contain this much action? This much romance?
1: I like cops.
0: Or this much baseball? Starring Leslie Nielsen, a cop who's always on the alert. Mikhail Gorbachev. I knew it. Queen Elizabeth, everyone's favorite queen. Priscilla Presley, a woman who really cooks.
1: How hot and wet do you like
0: it? Ricardo Montalban. i Frank. You're both right. George Kennedy, the partner with an appetite for danger. O.J. Simpson, as you've never seen him before. And Reggie Jackson in his first dramatic role. In a movie so big, it had to be filmed in color. The Naked Gun from the files of Police Squad. See you then.
1: So this is Naked Gun, files from the Police Squad. The I laugh at the uh, description they have on IMDb. It's incompetent police detective. <laughs> <laughs> frank drebin must foil an attempt to assassinate queen elizabeth elizabeth jesus the second this film was released in 1988 starring leslie nielsen priscilla presley and oj simpson
2: yeah this you know it's funny i watched this last night and i haven't seen it since i was a little kid and this fucking movie is hilarious this is this is an extremely funny movie i'm not all for that like monty python slaps the comedy crap but this one fucking killed me dude so, what about this movie stood out to you first?
1: Like you said, I think it's the slapstick comedy. Mm-hmm. The stuff that they have in it in is so completely ridiculous yeah.
2: that,
1: <laughs> I mean, some parts in our job, you can't make the shit up that you deal with. And
2: Right. <laughs> maybe and the, there's not really even a story. The storyline is so loosely based in this movie. Like, they just... Put a bunch of slapstick comedy scenes together, and then we're like, okay, I guess we're going to follow this somewhat storyline. So, you know, I'm going to give you the first thing that stands out to me. Lieutenant Frank Derebin is is played by Leslie Nielsen, right? Yep. He is some indeterminate age in this movie. (laughs) He could be 40 or he could be 70. Right. (laughs) Do you notice that? Like, Like, you don't know how old he is. When did he start growing his uh, white hair? Or when did he get white hair when he was like 25? <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, if you look at it, he was 62 when he did this movie. Holy crap. Yeah, so he was a little bit older, but I think he's supposed to be playing like a 40-year-old. Yeah. You know, like I think he's been on the police... For like 15, 20 years. I mean, he's supposed to be like 40, 45 or something. Right. Because Priscilla Presley's character is supposed to be young, like early 30s. Yeah. So, and Priscilla Presley, if those of you don't know, that was Elvis Presley's wife.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah. That was the first thing that really stood out to me. I'm just going to go with the opening scene. The opening scene is Frank Drevin, <laughs> zero jurisdiction. He's in some, <laughs> some foreign country. He's with the leaders of some countries that I guess would be considered somewhat on our terrorist list. So you had Fidel Castro, you had Ayatollah Khomeini, you had Yasser Arafat, you had Gorbatrov, and you had Gaddafi. And Frank Drebin is, first off, he works for the LAPD. Right. And he's in this meeting with all these guys, and he beats the ever-living shit out of them. I mean, I guess it starts out the whole the plot of it and he flies back to los angeles and it all starts with this guy named um ludwig and under some context he has the desire to kill the queen of england (laughs) <laughs> and for whatever reason they put lieutenant frank Drevin on the, the po- case <laughs> yeah on the case in the position to save the queen i guess and uh, ludwig's plan is to basically use a type of manchurian candidate where he can hypnotize someone through the sounds of beeping or some mind control so they can he can control them to kill the queen their only desire is to kill the queen right and at some point he reggie jackson <laughs> in the last scene <laughs> pulls a pistol out of second base and walks up to the queen. <laughs> and he has the, I must kill the queen and goes up and attempts to kill her. And Frank, is he's infiltrated the uh, California Angels in the Seattle Mariners game as the umpire. Right. Uh, it's just so ridiculous. And I I loved it. I totally forgot how funny this movie was. I thought it, I, even as a kid, I thought it was stupid. But I think I find it more funny now as an adult.
1: Right. And probably in our profession too, it's like, you know, oh my God.
2: Right. And this movie is pretty much, compiled of just one-liners that are funny and little little tiny scenes that are put together it's almost like the mitch hedberg of comedy movies where it's just one-liners pieced together that are really really funny and it makes people laugh and it kind of makes them ignore the story right because the story's fucking stupid <laughs> you know
1: well and we talked about i or i talked about last time the
2: wrongfully accused it's yes. like the spoof of the, the fugitive. fugitive sure yeah. and that was leslie nielsen as well right? yeah.
1: yeah and like in that movie is uh, we should go over that sometime that's I love that movie so
2: yeah I mean it's definitely police related so we can totally do that what about the actors in this movie so you have Leslie Nielsen we already discussed him he made his career off these movies and kind of slaps the comedy type stuff yeah Priscilla Presley who was mentioned before was Elvis Presley's wife right who else do we have I know someone here.
1: OJ Simpson yeah my <laughs> I have his rookie card remember that yeah no, yeah uh I'll talk about the one scene I don't know if you want me to jump into that right away but
2: well let's talk about OJ Simpson I you know OJ Simpson was the football player he played for the University of Southern California in the 60s and then and he got drafted and played for the Buffalo Bills and he was one of the best running backs in the history when he retired I think he was like second or third all time. Yeah, he was good. Running. He was really good. And he only played for like 10 years. Yeah. And following that he was still a personality. He's a really really charismatic guy and then he got into acting and he did this movie uh in which he was funny. He was briefly in the movie. Right. But he was I, I thought he was really funny. And this is before he went on his murders rampage and became kind of an asshole. I mean I think he was always an asshole but Right. And uh, now he became this movie made him, I think, more of a household name than just being a football player. Yeah, I thought that was really, really funny. There's one part I know you're itching to talk about with O.J. Simpson. It's the, it's the opening scene, which introduces him. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about it.
1: Well, I he's like inf, he's like infiltrating in this boat, right? Mm-hmm. And do you remember the boat name? I love you. I love you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he gets on there, and he's confronted what, how many people with
2: guns yeah he, he like tries to kick the door in and his leg goes to the, the door <laughs> which gives all the bad guys in the room enough time to like prep all their automatic machines <laughs> and he comes in and he immediately says yeah just like put your guns down or yeah. something like that. throw down your guns he's holding like a snub 38 and they all have like ak-47s there's like 10 of them please throw down your guns
1: so yeah, they they end up shooting
2: him. <laughs> yeah, like a hundred times. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, as I, the funniest part is, I mean, it's part of the slapstick sti- slapstick comedy when he gets shot but mm. apparently that doesn't hurt as bad as when he's, like, falling down. He, you know, stubs his toe or yeah. gets his hand caught in the the window that falls down on right. the boat, like,
2: stupid stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, remember, like, Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons? Like, he steps on a rake and it flies up and <laughs> hits him in the face. It's like stuff like that happens to him. And I
1: remember he fell into a,
2: oh, he fell into a wedding cake, too, that was just <laughs> <laughs> randomly placed <laughs> yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. It was just, like, everything, like, ridiculous he could, like, yeah, hurt himself on. <laughs> right. Which, you know, that part, it's funny because it brings me to the visual effects of the movie. Like, they're very, very visually appealing. You had that part where she falls in the water. Now, something they used to do in, like, the 70s or 80s. Remember they used to do the chalk outline of the body? Right. So it could, you know, for evidence purposes. So when Frank Drebin shows up to the harbor to investigate why O.J. Simpson's character was, like, almost attempted murder. I mean, he was almost killed, basically. Right. They have the chalk outline on the water. flying Right. Uh, a couple of the other really cool visual effects was um, there's the one part where Frank Drebin and his love interest, who's played by Priscilla Presley, they are going to have sex. Mm-hmm. And she says something along the lines of, I practice safe sex. And he says, me too. And the next <laughs> scene is them. It's a, <laughs> two giant latex condoms put over their bodies. <laughs> and they're like start like kissing and it's really ridiculous uh a couple of the other ones i put the tearaway suit right before they're gonna have sex he just pulls his suit down and just splits in half
1: right isn't that is that part two where uh they like she's going up into the attic. They pull down the little stairs, and he goes up, and he's like looking. Oh, my beaver. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> I think that's the first one. Yeah. yeah, he's looking up. It almost looks like he's looking up her skirt, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, hey, nice beaver." Yeah. And then she pulls down a stuffed beaver, and she's like, "Yeah, I just got it stuffed."
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice beaver.
1: Thank you. I just had it stuffed.
2: Let me help you with that. <sighs> a couple of the other ones was uh, the home plate. Like, you know, at first he's he's the umpire during the game and in the home plate he's like brushing it off with a little brush. Then it's like a, a like a big broom and then it's like a dust buster and then right. he's got a vacuum cleaner <laughs> uh, during that whole montage. And uh, I
1: mean, there's not much to say about the plot. There's no plot. It's, yeah,
2: it's... it's fucking completely stupid, but it's just very visually appealing and some of the lines in it are just so funny.
0: It's me, Frank. Now, who did this to you? I uh, love you. I love you too, Nordberg. Who were they? Ship. A boat. That's right, Nordberg. A boat. Now, when you're better, we'll go sailing together on a boat. We'll take a cruise just like last no. year. Drugs. Hey, nurse. Quick, give this man some drugs. Quick, catch you see he's in pain. No. Give him a shot, quickly. No. Heroin. Heroin, Frank. Well, Nordberg, that's a pretty tall order. You're gonna have to give me a couple of days on
2: that one. Leslie, you know, it's funny after watching it, Leslie Nielsen is a really talented actor. Yeah. He's just like, he could have, I think he could have played any role. And actually there's this, um, there's a show called Creep Show. It was a movie they made and he played a more serious role in that. And it had him and Ted Danson in one of the episodes. There were like three short different movies. I think it might've been Stephen King, but I'm not sure. Uh, Creep show when he played a serious part, and he's just like, "You're like, wow, Leslie Nielsen's got acting chops. He's not just this like slaps the comedy guy, you know?"
1: Right, and I one thing I noticed too is, is like his facial ex- expressions throughout the film, like he's so funny. Like, yeah. it would be cool to like meet that guy, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, he
2: died eight years ago. Right. No, I know that, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Leslie. In
1: 1988, when he's doing the films, it would have been cool to you know meet yeah, him. Yeah, totally. Like, Chris Farley. Chris Farley is one of those actors where he just he'd be cool to hang out with, you know. Yeah. So,
2: in terms of how this relates to real police work, doesn't? Right. I mean, it's a complete joke. There's nothing really in it that you could say. Oh, that's realistic. I mean, <laughs> stupid. Uh, one last thing I wanted to drop was uh, the. I think it was Lieutenant Drebin's best friend in it. His name I can't remember his name in it, but he is he's played by George Kennedy. Okay. George Kennedy is one of the all time best character actors ever and I thought it was really funny that he was in this movie because like why do that movie you know what I mean (laughs) like in the 60s in the 60s this guy was like in every major film yeah and he was awesome and then it's like in the 80s he's doing fucking the naked gun files from the police squad you know I highly suggest watching it I was pleasantly surprised by it it really made me laugh there's some one liners in there that just had me in tears so I suggest
1: I'll bring up one last scene that I really liked he's like pulling up Leslie Nielsen's pulling up to the uh, police station. He parks his car but doesn't actually put it in park. Oh yeah, and sure. And it starts as he gets out and starts walking towards the front of the police station, the car w- starts rolling down the hill.
2: <laughs> he thinks someone's intentionally trying to run him over. Yes, yeah, so yeah.
1: he dives out of the way and then he <laughs> instantly pulls out his pistol and <laughs> starts shooting at this empty car. And the what is it, the airbags go yeah. off and then he he's asked everybody as the car like turns off the, the, the road down the street he's like, Did anybody see the driver? Anybody get a plate? <laughs> it's like that's your car, dummy. But at the end
2: he realizes he goes, Oh shit, I think that's my car. <laughs> it just like takes off down the street and disappears. Tells yeah. the patrol officer out front, you know, interview everybody that was here. I gotta go inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's um You know, we don't have too much to say about it. Just that we'd highly recommend it as like a fun comedy police movie. Definitely watch it. Yeah, for any cops that are youngish, maybe in their twenties, and haven't heard of it, watch that. Like, it's great. It's a great movie. So yeah, thanks to Jim Gundog for suggesting it. Yes, Jim Gundog. Thank you for listening. And thanks for that suggestion. That was really cool.
1: Yeah. If anybody else has any suggestions for future movies or topics to talk about on our personnel files email us two cops and a donut at Mm gmail.com or instagram and facebook Two cops and a donut give us a like rate us on itunes really helps us out so what do we have next dirk let's go to the call of the week the call of the week stand by so teddy this is your call of the week And I'll start off with the the deets. The cool deets. Let's do it. The name of this episode is number two? Yeah. (laughs) My name's Ron Burgundy. (laughs) 1200 hours, RP states that she's having a verbal argument with her ex-boyfriend. Ex-boyfriend refusing to leave the home.
2: Right. It's your typical verbal argument between... It's domestic violence related, so we have to take it very seriously. We have to show up. What they didn't know, and what I knew at that time, it was middle of the summer. I just returned from Mexico. I spent two weeks in Mexico. When I was in Mexico, I picked up quite the bug. <laughs> I wasn't drinking the water, but I was brushing my teeth with the faucet water. Ooh. And it gave me a really nasty stomach bug. So when I came back, I was very hesitant to take additional time sick time off. I was basically, I'm not going to be gross, but I was on the toilet constantly when I was back. <laughs> like I would drink a glass of water... And it would just like it would be in and out of me in a minute. Yeah, not the front end. <laughs> That's not a good day. Not a good day. So I took a sick day in the middle of the week. And I was like, God, I got to go back to work. I worked on a really senior team. I didn't want to seem like a guy that was always using sick time and not coming to work. I had just taken two weeks off.
1: And this was at the start of your, like, career, Career, right? yeah, so. sure.
2: I was new. <laughs> so that whole week, I'm struggling at work. I mean, completely dehydrated. Water will not stay in my body. and Like, my body was, the cells were not absorbing any H2O. <laughs> it was towards the end of, like, my sickness that I was like, all right, I bought three large Gatorades, citrus cooler. It's kind of a mix of, like, lemon, lime, and orange. Okay. Three citrus coolers, and I'm downing them at work constantly. This day, I was like optimistic. I was like, oh my God, I'm not running to the toilet every three seconds, you know? So I down these three Gatorades. I'm feeling okay. It's around noon. It's hot. It was August, like 95 degrees. I get this call for service. So my partner and I, we show up to the call, and immediately it hits me. The urgency of, oh no, this is happening now. And those calls aren't easy. You know how long those can take. Like the scene in Dumb and
1: Dumber. (laughs) mm <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, like someone just (laughs) dropped X-Lax in my Gatorade or something. So my it was funny. So my partner looks at me and he's like, whoa, like there's something. He knew what was going on. And it was funny because typically what happens in these calls, domestic violence related, it's like this sheer like panic on both ends and they're both angry at each other. It was he did this and it was she did this and believe me. And it's super angry and just like vile and just like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. deep down hatred for each other in these calls. The, vict- the the female who called and the guy both like took this look at me and were like, you do not look well. <laughs> Turning white as a ghost. Yeah. My face was pale. My lips were completely pale. So what was happening was I downed those three Gatorades and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like I, I just didn't immediately shit my brains out. <laughs> so I thought my body was absorbing it. Well, what basically happened was it just sat in my stomach and... I literally sprint. I, I go, I gotta go. <laughs> sprint out of the house, run into my car, drive away, leaving my partner completely alone, <laughs> like two on one. <laughs> Go to the substation. You know what substation I'm talking about. Right. I get in there and I hit the... It was... Yeah, it was like Harry Dunn from Dumb <laughs> and Dumber. I had the, and I am... the My cord from my radio is wrapped around my neck because I'm trying to get my belt off. It was bad. And I ended up laying on the floor in the fetal position for like an hour and a half. Ugh. Yeah, my radio's going off. They're like checking my status. Like dispatch will routinely say like, hey, what's your status? And I'm, they think I'm still at the house. <laughs> and I'm like a mile away. Just sick as a dog on the toilet and basically what happened was my body ejected all three of those Gatorades in one moment in one glorious it was like the levees broke at Katrina <laughs> <laughs> oh boy it was bad man it was so bad do you know the result of the call? yeah i i my partner he was like a seasoned cop just he knew he knew what was going on and he, he could handle that on his own like if it was like a physical like they were physically fighting each other like he knew how to take care of both of it both of them right without making it a big deal and he took it and he's just like dude go home because i sh- he saw me later i'm drenched in sweat <laughs> look like a zombie and i just i had no flu my body would just not hold fluid it took a long time for me to like over a week for me to get rid of that bug
1: yeah, that's bad that's brutal
2: so that was a call of the week see this is what us cops go through to stay at work and go to work
1: yeah people need to know you know i mean our sick time and stuff it's it's tough especially when you just come back from vacation
2: <laughs> using all that so yeah it was crazy so that's this week's call of the week or excuse me this episode's call of the week yeah so what do we have next week dirk So on next week's episode,
1: we'll be bringing a new donut of the week, along with diving deeper into our personnel files. And we have the 2001 crime thriller, Training Day, starring Denzel Washington. And then we'll finish up with the call of the week.
2: Now, Derek, if they want to contact us, how are they going to
1: do it? Guys, go to Instagram, Facebook, hit us up in a messenger that way, two cops and a donut, or our email at twotwocopsandadonut at gmail.com.
2: That's right. And thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Bones Coffee Company. If you'd like to pick up a bag, go to www.bonescoffee.com. See you next week. That's it for us. Aim for the bushes.